Welcome to Supergirl's Attic. I'm Cycles. And I'm Vivi. And this episode, we're going to talk about Cara Danvers, the reporter, and her reporting journey thus far in the series, specifically in relation to the episode that just aired, episode four of season five, titled In Plain Sight, which is a reference to the phrase hidden in plain sight. And relevant to the episode, of course, several of the characters embodied this concept of hiding in plain sight. Yeah, in a number of different ways. Mm-hmm. We had once again a mind-hacked Alex, who was not acting under her own control, but was blending in, hiding in plain sight. We had William, who we found out in this episode was putting on like an identity at Kako, jerkish identity, in order to keep everyone at arm's length mm. to pursue his story regarding Andrea. We had Malefic blending in in a number of different situations in this episode. He snuck into the DEO, even getting past their security protocols. And then later, when he ambushes Jean and Kara, he's disguised as a member of the crowd at the like Martian exhibit at the planetarium. Yes. And the crowd itself was actually uh, hiding in plain sight as they turned out to be inceptioned by Malefic. And then we also have Lena, who is pretending to be chummy with Supergirl and the rest of the super friends. So we decided we would dig in a little deeper to Kara as a reporter in this episode because this was the first episode of season five where we really got to see her development on that front Mm -hmm. in a deeper way. And also she was involved in some way or another with all of these different stories where you had a deception or a need to uncover facts or the truth about people. Yeah. Playing into her role as an investigative reporter. A role that she started young. (laughs) Yes. As we often like to point out with her detective skills back as a teenager. Yeah. And so it's kind of funny that we got in season three that flashback to Kara having these hints of potential for really digging into truth in a way where she's interacting with humanity like that, because that was at a point in her life where she was really pushing against the idea of getting too immersed in what it meant to be human and in the humanities specifically. But then we find out at the end of season one that through all this time that she's been an assistant at CatCo, Cat Grant saw that potential from the moment she walked in the door. She recognized that about Kara Mm -hmm. and gave her the opportunity to really embrace that and see where that potential could lead her. Yeah. So Kat saw something in Kara. And if you look back at what we've seen of Kara's life before she decided to pursue reporting, she did have certain tendencies that sort of lend themselves toward reporting and offered some insight into why she may prefer this profession. I think of the quote that she said back in season two, after she had lost her job as a reporter, she talked about how reporting is her calling and it's how she helps people. And she says, Supergirl is what I can do. Kara is who I am. And I think that's interesting in terms of this character Mm. because this is a way that Kara can feel fulfilled in kind of the way that she thinks that she's kind of destined to protect the earth or to help people as Kara Danvers Mm. and using all those skills and everything that's associated with that. And then also just kind of the core of who she is, like she's helping people by using her head and her insight as opposed to because of powers that she was given. And even when she is Supergirl, it seems like the most fulfilling part of that is when Kara feels like she has connected to a person or she has impacted them or changed them in a way that she can kind of directly attempt as a reporter. Mm. Yeah, that always makes me think of her 
speech that she makes in season one where she describes every person as a light Mm. and how much that means to her. And reporting actually in some ways is an extension of her being able to have that feeling because she's able to explore different facets of what's going on with the people around her and also provide them with information and build connections in a completely different way. Yeah, a different way than even uh, Allura had envisioned for her. But when examining Kara's motivations for like anything that she does in the show, I like to sort of like check back into how she was raised on Krypton and the core trauma involved there when she lost her planet and her family members and her culture and everything because it informs so much of what she does and then see how that core of the character interacts with other things that have shaped her throughout her life. Mm. So with reporting, I think it's important to look at Alora and Astra's influence on Kara's ideology, especially in season one. Mm-hmm. And from what we know of Kara's like origin story and her home planet Krypton, the people of Krypton, as Astra said, chose not to see the truth. And this is regarding the fact that the energy that they were harvesting from the core of the planet was making the core unstable as a sort of obvious parallel to global warming on Earth. And the people on Krypton refused to believe that they were destroying the planet. And so Astra's solution was to control everyone's mind in order to get them all to band together in order to save the planet rather than, you know, any other more humane tool she may have gone for. So great intentions. <laughs> Not exactly good method. Mm-hmm. As we saw when they actually did implement Myriad, it was a huge problem and very much cast as not the right thing to do. Yes. But Astra was a really interesting figure because she existed in this antagonistic space where she was someone Kara definitely had a very strong emotional attachment to, but Kara still could recognize that she was doing a lot of wrong things for maybe right reasons, but maybe also not. Particularly altruistic reasons. And there's a couple things about Astra's story that have actually been present thus far in season five. So I'm very curious to see if we'll hear a mention of her at all, Mm. given that Astra is ultimately sentenced to banishment in the Phantom Zone, where Malefic also was by her sibling, which Malefic also was. But specifically, the crime that got her sent there was that no one supported her plan, or at least the people closest to her didn't support her plan. So in her attempts to go behind their backs and implement it, she ended up killing people, Mm -hmm. which again, sounds a bit familiar. And on Krypton, that was, as we hear from Alora, the worst thing that Astra could have done, according to their morality, versus, say, the Green Martians, where the highest crime would be to erase the memory of a person. Well, and also saying that Astra killing people unilaterally in order to push her own agenda was a high crime on Krypton will make it very interesting to see how Kara feels about that (laughs) in the future, perhaps. Yeah. A lot of current things will be very interesting to see in light of some setup that we had in season one for Kara and Astra. Yeah. But with regard to Astra as a character back in season one and the contrast that they drew between Astra and her sister, Alora, Kara's mother, Alora believed Astra. She believed that they were destroying Krypton. And she said, I will fight for your cause, not through fear and manipulation, but through compassion and reason. A quote that again feels really relevant. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's also a line you could have taken from season four. That is true. In terms of themes. However, Allura did not succeed in saving Krypton. She was a deep disappointment to Kara in season one, especially when she found out everything that Allura had done in terms of compassion and reason. In terms of compassion, as we've discussed before, Allura mishandled the sentencing of the prisoners to Fort Ross, both in terms of length and then in terms of the level of crimes. Mm. And then it was a huge deal for Kara when she found out that Allura had betrayed Astra and sent her to the Phantom Zone and then also manipulated Kara in order to do it, mm-hmm. which was not a very compassionate move on her part. Total aside, but so Lena's not the only person with a beef about manipulation. <laughs> hmm. And in terms of this ideal of using reason to save Krypton, Allura obviously fails to convince the people of Krypton that the core of the planet is failing because they did not act in time in order to save it. And it is interesting in terms of the character of Allura because, you know, we flash forward mm. to season three when we found her again and the city of Argo intact because Kara goes to Argo and then there's this secret plot happening and the people of Argo, everyone that Kara comes into contact with, refuse to believe that there could be this hidden darkness. And then that in turn endangered Earth, the entire planet, mm-hmm. because the witches of Krypton traveled to Earth and then almost destroyed it. And Kara is playing this role where she is trying to convince the people around her that her instincts are correct and that the signs that she is seeing that something is wrong are valid. And then interestingly, afterwards, they have a little bit of an investigation into the witches on Krypton. Mm, true. So that's kind of Kara when she's fairly far along in her path to balancing compassion, reason, and her reporting skills. Yeah. And Kara, in terms of looking at how her past has influenced her present and her character going forward, she ends up in this rather intriguing position of borrowing from both Allura and Astra's point of view in how she behaves on Earth. And she does this because of choices that Allura essentially has made in sending her to Earth, another planet that is beset by its own environmental crises that might destroy everything. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) Right? And then she also puts her final words to Kara and this puts this idea in Kara's head that she's supposed to help. Yeah. You know, solve the problem. But that point's very interesting in terms of mothers and daughters, Allura's failings, and then sending Kara onto another planet with similar problems and kind of expecting <laughs> her to save it. And Eliza being like, Alex, I wanted you to be better than me. Mm, true. But speaking of being better, Kara definitely adopts this mantle of being the protector of Earth. <laughs> And Clark even acknowledges, like, she's definitely qualified for that. (laughs) Yeah, she's the official champion. She is. But she owns it very clearly by the end of season one. For all that she may feel uncomfortable and lost sometimes, she develops a stance that is in some ways similar to Astra's in terms of how fiercely she wants to protect the planet from being destroyed. Mm. And she even says this to Nan in episode 113, the Black Mercy episode, that she may have been born on Krypton, but she will choose Earth and she will protect it or die trying. But that said, Kara goes about showing how serious she is in a very different way than Astra, (laughs) in large part because she grew up on Earth. Rather than attacking Earth's problems entirely from a place of Kryptonian superiority, which she did have traces of in her early years, she usually tries to work within the framework of Earth's politics 
politics, Earth's culture, and tries to convince people to help her achieve positive goals in ways that connect to them Mm -hmm. instead of pushing her way directly out onto people. And this isn't just a strategy that Kara employs as Supergirl. She also employs it really effectively as a reporter once she gets the hang of reporting down. Yeah. But it was, I was really interested in your point about Kara sort of having this intensity that you can kind of trace to Astra as well. Because on the one hand, she has that sort of passion that we saw with Astra. And then on the other hand, she very deeply feels the ideals that Allura also felt and tried to imbue into Kara in terms of compassion and reason and using those concepts in order to help people. And reporting specifically puts Kara in this position where she's able to protect Earth from the exact thing that destroyed her planet, which is ignorance. So she can like get the truth out to people and protect them and kind of fulfill this promise from Allura of reason. And then she can also employ compassion in helping those whose stories are being told. Mm. But something that Kara struggles with is finding balance and using these tools. Like when is compassion more important than the most logical data-driven outcome? When should you rein in your emotions in order to help people and use reason and logic. And obviously this ties into her struggles as a reporter. But even before she took that step in season one, the kind of Astra Allura conflict in terms of Kara's arc came full circle in the myriad plot that occurred at the end of the season when Maxwell Lord suggests that they use this compassionless, logic-only solution of killing a percentage of National City citizens in order to stop this mind control plot that had been occurring. And Kara really struggles with it. And she talks to Kat about it mm. and reflects upon the fact that Alora had these values of compassion and reason. And she was faced with a similar decision on Krypton and that she chose wrong. And it's tough for Kara because she has very similar ideals. But what the people in her life help her with is her methods and being able to more effectively than Alora help people with these very idealistic notions. Particularly Kat in that scene is the person who helps Kara find another way. And interestingly, in terms of reporting, what ends up being the solution is Kara sitting behind a desk in a very like anchor person style report visual and give a speech about like why you should be hoping right now um, <laughs> in order to save the people of National City. Yeah. And in turn the world. Yeah. And we'll come back to that scene again in a minute because it's cool for another reason really Related to Kara's reporter evolution. Yeah. But in terms of the characters of Supergirl helping Kara grow as a person, specifically in relation to reporting, a line that I really enjoyed from this past episode in Plain Sight, said by Mr. William Day, kind of cut to the core of where I think Kara sometimes needs improvement and where her strengths are. William says, I have craft, you have art. <laughs> and it's very much meant to be this like It's a compliment. Yeah, it's a compliment. <laughs> art is like this amazing thing and you have have this talent, whereas I just have craft. But as we see with Kara a lot, craft is a very important thing in helping people effectively through reporting. So in terms of Kara's like artistic talent, we've seen her demonstrate kind of indirectly since we don't really hear the articles or read the articles that she writes, the skill through her interaction with people and speeches that she gives and trying to connect emotionally with people through kind of poetic or impactful language. And she often teaches other when it comes to that element of passion and feeling and empathy. But when it comes to craft, 
craft. Kara has had this interesting journey learning from mentor-like figures in the show and frequently mother figures. Yes. And she actually, it was really funny because she had so many of them in season one (laughs) and all of the things she picked up from all of them really come together in the season one finale, which is very cool. Yes. For instance, we have Eliza, Kara's foster mom. We've talked a lot about Eliza in terms of her being an influence on Kara and giving her practical tools like you have to go to school, you can't be a superhero today. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Which is like the beginnings of Kara honing her craft because if she hadn't gone to school, she would not be a reporter right now. And, you know, Eliza's helped her to survive and thrive and be more effective than Alora had been in terms of employing the ideals that Kara holds. And like you just mentioned, Eliza's influence was really interesting in the season one finale when they're fighting against this mind control element and non and indigo because Eliza is this contrasting force against Alora within this context of that episode where Ashra and Alora's sort of failings are on full display because there's this chaos occurring because of what they did or what they failed to do. Mm. We have Eliza who very selflessly in Kara fashion <laughs> confronts a mind controlled Alex. Oh. Poor Alex, man. (laughs) Yeah, these things just happen to her. And Eliza's the one who reaches through to Alex using hope, an ideal that Alora had held, and obviously the Kara has. Well, and she also demonstrates a lot of compassion in the things that she says and the way she says them, because she gets through to Alex by hitting her in the places where her emotional vulnerabilities are and on things maybe she's been insecure about or afraid of that we learned throughout season one. Mm -hmm. And affirming, you know, I love you, your dad would be proud of you in a way that does crack through and allows Alex to kind of retake control and resurface. Yes. And then there's also this other scene with Eliza, which is just a couple background moments that I find really sweet whenever I notice it. Eliza helping Kara to prepare her hope speech. And Kara at this point had spent the previous episode afraid of making the same mistakes that Alora did and kind of living under the shadow of what Astra has done. Mm. And then there's just this nice guiding force from Eliza sitting with her with the scripts and just kind of bagging out what she's going to say to solve this problem. And not only that, you have both Eliza and Kat, Kara's two most influential kind of maternal mentor figures on Earth, representing kind of an opposite force to her two most heavily influential maternal figures from Krypton Hmm. in both of them helping her to prepare because obviously she's broadcasting through Kat's network, Kat's equipment, and Kat has been the one giving her a lot of her professional advice. But in that moment where Kara is ready to give this speech, it's one of the very few moments in the series where you see a fusion of kind of all of Kara's identities Hmm. at once because you have Kara as Supergirl. She's officially acting as Supergirl, but you have this glimmer of Kara the reporter and how she can get through to people in that way. Mm -hmm. And you have Kara the lost girl of Krypton very much speaking and trying to kind of make up for Krypton's mistakes. And then you also very tangibly have Kara Danvers in there because her family is what's supporting her in that moment. Yes, And so on that front, it's such a tiny thing, but it's awesome. I agree. It's also just interesting because Eliza and Kat versus like Alora and Astra kind of have somewhat similar energies. Mm, It's true. (laughs) Eliza with Alora and then Astra and Kat. Yes, Kat is much more prone to strong-arming people than Eliza would be. So, yes, similar vibes. Kat was also the person that Kara succeeded in season one, reaching through to in comparison to Astra. Mm, Nice. And that 
that sort of connects to what we've talked about in terms of Kara's art <laughs> in that Kat was one of the first characters that we saw Kara really use compassion and reason to persuade someone mm. and really reach through to them successfully. Obviously, we saw her have these wonderful talks with Kat and give these speeches with feeling, which we know is a consistent skill of hers. And it's also important for getting information from sources and then obviously for conveying that information back to the world. And then we also saw with Kat in terms of art, Kara display a little bit of her writing skills in terms of persuasion <laughs> in her yeah. oft- referenced letter to Adam, Kat's son. We actually hear, and this is some of the only writing that we've heard of Cars actually, her give this speech about how everyone has their mistakes and things they wish they could change. But in Kat's case, <laughs> with Kara as the ghostwriter here, her biggest regrets not being there for Adam. She acknowledges Adam's hurt and that she may never understand it and establishes that she'd like to try to make things right. And the other important thing, she also makes sure to express the fact that Kat genuinely loves her son. Yeah. And then Kara also says in the letter to Adam, you know, it won't be easy. Nothing worthwhile ever is, but life is short. And when all is said and done, there's nothing more important than family. And specifically with that, but life is short, we can see Kara drawing upon her own experiences to relate to others, which is something that we continually reference with Kara because it comes up again a lot. And that's how she justifies her decision to Kat as well when she gets called out for it. Yeah, exactly. That she, you know, doesn't have her mother anymore and she knows how important it is that they re unite or try to mend their relationship. Mm -hmm. And then Kat reads this letter and is like, what kind of sentimental crap did you write to him? Oh, well, this isn't actually awful. Which for her is high praise. <laughs> yes. And she's like, quote unquote, praised Kara's writing a couple times. She said when she came back at the end of season two that Kara's prose is good, not great, but good. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a bit of an established fact here that Kara is pretty good at the writing part of this. Well, not according to Snapper. <laughs> Well, he was more concerned with the craft aspect. Season two was interesting for Carr in terms of reporting. <laughs> we did see like some strong practical reporting skills that Carr already had, mm -hmm. which were her persistence. Yes. Her tendency to break into any situation she feels she needs to. Oh, yeah. Like she did in the jail. Yes. That one time when Alex totally knew she would. <laughs> she sure did. <laughs> and we saw her do the same kind of thing a couple times, like when she pushed past the bouncer at the party in season three. Yeah, when Lillian showed up with the Lexo suit, right? Yeah. And also in season two, we see her sort of natural ability to tell when pursuing a story is worthwhile, particularly with the situation with the missing girl who ended up being taken to Slaver's Moon. Which is like a big story, actually. So <laughs> yeah, Kara's instinct there was pretty good. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the few moments where Snapper was like, all right, fair. <laughs> and also in terms of kind of where Kara Kara is already coming from and the skill set and the psychology that she already has when jumping into this new reporting career. Her decision to publish the story about the alien registry being stolen by Cadmus and people being hunted down who are aliens and then ultimately the attempted deportation 
that makes sense for her as a character in terms of how her birth planet was destroyed because of information not being released freely and convincingly. But in terms of convincingly, she could actually use some work. <laughs> and also in terms of craft. And this is where Snapper and Kara definitely butt heads. Yeah, often. Often. When Kara's <laughs> learning how to be a reporter. In terms of like the day-to-day practical elements of it. Yes. Yeah, he even nitpicks the fact that she doesn't proofread things, <laughs> apparently. Which is funny because in season one, she mentioned copy editing for Kat. Yeah. There were a couple times in season two when they referenced like spelling issues. So maybe she yeah. did proofread, but failed. She didn't run that spell check. <laughs> Yes. She doesn't like technology. No. (laughs) (laughs) And specifically with the alien registry situation, that was interesting because in terms of a choice between two options, publishing on her own this story or not publishing it at all, Kara made the right choice, but she failed to find the third option, the kind of expected option for a reporter, which is finding information which she could print under these widespread journalistic standards. So it's like a moral success, but... (laughs) a sort of practical career failure. And so Kara is fired. (laughs) She sure is. Well, and Kara's big conflict with Snapper over that and her consequence of of losing her job over that story is definitely one of her warring with her own moral integrity in a way. (laughs) But one of the biggest problems she has as a reporter throughout season two is that she's so accustomed to trusting her instincts, which makes complete sense for Kara as someone who gets so much sensory information that human beings can't perceive. She does just know things in ways that other people can't. But because of this, she doesn't like having to do the work of explaining it according to a process that human beings can follow all of the time. <laughs> I also don't know that she knows how to. Yeah. And, and that's sort of a skill that she's working one on. can learn. Yes. Yeah. But it had a similar energy to kind of the way we saw her behave in Midvale in season three, where she was very dismissive and disdainful of having to do things the normal human way and like learn stuff that she didn't think at the time was particularly valuable, but mm-hmm. then realized later maybe it was. Yeah. And that's a concept that is coming up a lot in season five, following rules that you can't really understand at the time or don't think are correct, but end up being kind of necessary. Yeah. And Kara's drive here, motivating her writing, particularly, I mean, always, but in season two, especially, is she's so intent on persuading people and making sure they understand like the truth as she sees it, that she doesn't recognize the value in having evidence to support your opinion opinion because that A is what a journalist is required to do. And B, it's more convincing to people if you can back up what you're saying, particularly when she's trying to break a story that is serious, timely, and contains sensitive and confidential information. Like, Snapper is absolutely right from a liability standpoint. Like, they can't just accept that on faith if she has no real sources. She's basically trying to say that a government agency went rogue, is racially profiling people, stole other confidential government documents and is using them to deport hundreds or thousands of people. Like, take the climate towards press currently and now picture Kara publishing that story without sources, without additional fact-checking, and just imagine what that would do to the reputation of Catco. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing that Snapper is trying to get her to learn throughout season two. She needs to cover her paces so that people cannot 
question her integrity and put her in that position where she is vulnerable and on the defensive like that. Yeah. And it, I mean, it makes sense in terms of the character. The way she solves problems is so head on mm-hmm. that it takes sometimes a lot of prodding or a lot of practice to get her to think outside of like straightforward solutions or powering through situations. Mm-hmm. She saw Snapper as antagonist to like is preventing her from accomplishing her goal rather than trying to kind of find a solution around the other obstacles in her way, which were kind of understandable in terms of like Jean being like, we can't put a statement out and maybe her being like, they're not going to go on the record or whatever. And so she tried to come up with a solution, which was this. So Snapper is a really important obstacle for Kara in terms of her growth and realizing that if she's going to be a reporter, she's going to have to solve problems in a nonlinear way. Correct. And one of the places where Snapper grew frustrated with her in that conflict was the only source that she provided was essentially herself. He didn't know that, but she tried to use Supergirl and Supergirl's moral authority to say, well, I know this is true, so you shouldn't question it. And that still didn't give him enough confidence. But there were other ways that she maybe could have worked toward it by getting help from other people she knows, perhaps finding other sources of information rather than the DEO. Correct. I mean, since she knows that the Luthers are involved, she could have investigated like financial resources or locations that had suspiciously high like levels of like electricity being used or mm-hmm. materials being sent to them. There were a, a number of options that she could have tried to research, but in her urgency, she kind of just blew past that. And while that's understandable, it harms her credibility as a reporter, especially considering that she then breaks the story on her own personal website that has no real affiliation with anything. And doing something like that can ultimately confuse the public rather than actually alert them in an appropriate kind of way. Because if all of a sudden she's no longer working for a reputable news organization and it's not confirming anything that she's saying, people might actually be less inclined to believe her than they were before. (laughs) But luckily for Kara and for those who look up to Supergirl, (laughs) she makes her peace with the fact that she should base her articles on facts and not saturate the writing with bias or, you know, opinion or emotion in order to make her case. Well, and that's not to say that she can't have an opinion or that her opinion is not going to influence like how she approaches a story. But it's kind of like the difference between writing a blog post and writing an academic essay in one. One, you can just let your opinion go. And in the other, there are some standards you have to meet and you have to demonstrate that you've looked at other perspectives besides your own. Mm-hmm. And we see that she internalized this and doesn't bristle at it at all in season four when James tells her like not to add any spin to the story that she's working on. She says, got it, no spin, just facts. Then in season five, we have Andrea come in and she's really looking for those emotional hooks mm-hmm. to... uh Get the clicks. Yes. She emphasizes how important strong emotional reactions or drama. Sparkly death. (laughs) Sparkly death. Are to getting eyeballs and clicks on the stories coming out of Kako. And Kara does not like this. (laughs) No. Kara has recalibrated to understand the value of presenting people with information so that they can make theoretically good choices. Mm -hmm. And this is quite a departure from that. It sure is. And it's really funny, actually, to see see how completely Kara's had this change of heart between season two and season five, because one of the very first articles that Kara was criticized on and actually took Snapper's advice for in terms of, you know, focusing on 
giving people facts, thinking of the impact of her words and how her influence might push people too hard in one direction or another, so she needs to be subtle, (laughs) was actually the story about Lena's alien detection device, which we had seen resurface again last season. And Snapper calls it biased when he reads it, and he makes her rewrite it (laughs) because it's too much opinion and not enough actual reporting. (laughs) It's really funny in hindsight when you go back and see what she had in her first draft because um, she mentions that by Lena branding her alien detection device with the name Luther, quote, she has forever tied her company's destiny to that of America's xenophobic right, which uh, is really interesting given some things that <laughs> Lena's doing um, now. Yeah. So on the one hand... <laughs> That's a curious question because then are Kara's initial (laughs) instincts correct? But even though Kara's assessment, I think, is correct, how... Hmm. How that will read? How Lena's invention of the alien detection device will leave a mark upon her legacy. Writing an article which is too emotional or too obviously opinionated or... Partisan. (laughs) Partisan, yeah, can be less persuasive, (laughs) Mm -hmm. especially considering perhaps what the political atmosphere was at the time when this alien detection device came out. Mm. Perhaps there would have been more room in season four if Lena had just come out with this detection device to say these things. Hmm. That actually ties back to the point that Kara was kind of missing the rising anti-alien mm. sentiment in a way, because this is right at the beginning of season two after Myriad, and Lena's coming at it from that angle. Like, everyone just went through this horrifying mind control thing at the hands of aliens. Yeah. <laughs> a horrifying mind control experience. <laughs> wonder what that feels like. Uh, yeah, but that's interesting also in terms of Kara as a reporter and in light of her history with Krypton also. So Jean mm. telling Kara in season four that there's a rising anti-alien sentiment happening and these are hate crimes and Kara being slow to accept that. Yeah, her first instinct was to dismiss it. Yeah, because of what she wanted to believe. Well, and also to go back to this issue of Snapper trying to teach her about kind of clearing your head of bias. This is a place where mm-hmm. Kara had a huge blind spot. Yeah, but luckily Kara came to see the truth in Jean's words and then spent, you know, season four trying to tell this truth to people who also didn't want to believe it and uncover the dark underbelly in America and shine a light on this injustice and the corruption that was occurring. And this is an interesting subversion of the role that she had played in terms of the truth that she's trying to convey to other people. Mm. Because previously, she had most frequently played a role of convincing others that there is goodness or hope to be had. And we saw her come to the realization that sometimes compassion and reason go hand in hand and compassion comes in the form of telling a difficult truth. Yeah, and that actually ties back really nicely to the content of last episode, Mm. 503, in terms of people debating whether or not to be honest with each other, like in the scene with Nia and Brainy. Yeah. But in season four, we saw her, you know, kind of continue to come into her own as a reporter and struggle a little bit. But we saw kind of a highlight for her in her recurring Aliens of National City profile series when she was kind of showing the quote unquote humanity in 
these alien people, which is kind of perfect for her in terms of who she is as a reporter or what her kind of natural strengths are, particularly in terms of persuasion and the insight that Carr as a person has been shown to have in terms of conveying empathy for others or convincing others to have empathy. But she hits some hiccups, especially in the beginning. <laughs> she does. Unfortunately for Kara, her relative inexperience with covering these kinds of high-profile stories, and they pick up a lot of attention because of how intense the atmosphere is surrounding people's feelings about aliens, it leads her to make some mistakes as she's developing her Aliens of National City series because she doesn't confirm that there are no major surprises lurking in the pasts of any of the people that she interviews that might actually hurt the credibility of her stories or cast someone that she's trying to show positively in a very negative light, which we saw in the Ahimsa episode 404 when she interviews Amade. And some of this is definitely due to the fact that she doesn't have a visible mentor figure anymore after season two for her to lean on and have as a sounding board as her career has advanced. And this is a big contrast in particular, for example, to how Jean continually fills this role for Kara as a superhero, and particularly how we see them interact in season four, where he's offering her insight and maybe advice on how to deal with things that she didn't realize were issues on the alien front. Mm -hmm. That was interesting in terms of what we've been talking about in terms of Kara's personality and how it can affect the issues that she has in terms of reporting and her tendency to fire forward and maybe not investigate backwards mm. and look into the character of Amade's past and read previous interviews that he had had, she can get kind of tunnel vision-y depending on the situation. And that's a natural tendency that she has to fight through. And we can kind of see her eventually overcome in various situations. We saw in this past episode, Kara really cover her bases pretty well and show her investigative skills that she's previously struggled with. Yeah, there's definitely been a progression on that front. And Kara was all over confirming facts about new information that she was picking up throughout the episode. She was really digging in further every time she came across something to try to figure out how it all fit together and what was going on. The other thing that was very striking in this episode, and it's been building throughout the first few episodes of season five in a really nice way, is that we're starting to see Kara integrating her use of her powers much more effectively to use them as a starting point for investigating things from a journalistic perspective and then going about finding additional facts in like a legitimate way that other humans can understand rather than using her senses to kind of skip through steps of the investigative process. Mm -hmm. We saw it last episode when she chose to confront William over his cover-ups and the things he'd been lying about after she recognized that he was nervous while they were in their meeting. We saw it several times in this episode when she decided to go down to Mexico to investigate the kind of suspicious other stuff that William appeared to be involved in and all of the things that she overheard or maybe saw with her super senses. She then relayed back to Nia in a usable way in order to get other hard information that she could then mm. share as Cara Danvers. So she's been much better about covering her bases as far as explaining like how she 
she has the hunches that she does. And related to that, seeing Kara and Nia as investigative buddies was a lot of fun in this episode. Yes, it was. <laughs> we saw Kara contacting Nia repeatedly back at Catco to get her information that she'd gathered down. And the other thing that was really fun to see in this was a little bit more progression for Nia because the fact that she and Brainy were kind of in this awkward emotional space in this episode meant we got to see a bit more of her resourcefulness mm. as a young reporter because she actually had backup alternatives in order to get the information that they needed and successfully did so even without Brainy and the DEO's help. Yeah. So that was a nice little detail. Refreshing for the characters at CACO to have connections outside of the DEO. Yes, really. Because of the DEO's secret status. <laughs> Not that I entirely begrudge them using those resources for initial like investigation, but mm. as we saw before, it was previously an issue for Kara in trying to use the information that she got from the DEO. So it's nice to see outside sources. So in this episode, we saw Kara show a lot of strength in terms of investigative skills in ways that we hadn't seen her shine as much before. And we've seen sort of how much she's grown in that aspect. But then we also saw, interestingly, her have difficulty with a skill that she is usually pretty great with. And that skill is Kara's ability to read people. So we saw her use this skill once in this episode with Alex in recognizing that she was not quite right. <laughs> and this is not the first time that this has happened with Alex specifically either, which is funny. No, so far this season, Kara is two for two on spotting fake Alex's. <laughs> yeah, so in those moments, Kara was kind of in her comfort zone and she saw through things that were deceptive in a way that she's frequently good at and kind of got to the heart of the truth. Yes. And we also saw it with William in terms of being like, he's not telling the truth. Correct. <laughs> Several times. But she did not kind of clock that William was putting on a facade when he was actively being a jerk to her, <laughs> which is understandable. <laughs> it is in a sense because a lot of the male characters that Kara interacts with tend to genuinely be jerks. Yeah. Particularly if we look at last season where she was dealing with Lockwood and Lex Luthor and then you had Manchester who started out seemingly nice and then actually betrayed them all. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We saw Lena put on her own facade with Kara and the other super friends, but it was particularly striking with Kara because in that scene, it was a very friendly exchange and high-spirited conversation. However, Lena was not being genuine mm. and Kara did not recognize this. Or... Again, understandably. <laughs> well, here's the question. Is Kara not recognizing it or is Kara misattributing it? To, like, being still kind of uncomfortable mm -hmm. with the lie, but that's possible possible, especially because Lena did this sort of passive-aggressive line with like, now that I know your secret and Kara kind of like pushes past it. And yeah. I wonder if that was maybe her just trying to, in a very Kara way, be so friendly. Compensate for it. and Yeah, compensate for that kind of underlying animosity. So that makes sense. Well, I say that because Kara has the physical ability to recognize micro expressions in a way that humans can't consciously see. Mm. And we've also seen that she catches on to other what we'll call like I guess like biometric sort of data mm -hmm. about people. So I think on some level she's aware that something's off. Possibly. She may also just not listen in all the time. She's not like paying attention. Yeah. 
That's fair. But this dynamic is interesting for me, Lena and Kara, in terms of reporting, not only because Lena's initial entrance aided in Kara realizing that she wants to be a reporter because of the same skill that we're discussing here of Kara proving her own instincts to be correct about a person, and mm. in this case, Lena, uncovering the fact that Lena was not involved in the master plot that was occurring in the early season two. But kind of like Kara's realization that Alex hadn't had enough space in Kara and Alex's relationship, influencing Kara's reaction to and relationship with Lena. Mm. I wonder if maybe the Myriad event and Astra's death, which would have been both fresh in Kara's mind, also played a role in her motivation for giving this person kind of a second chance in terms of being able to redeem herself in the eyes of society after the other Luthers had kind of tarnished their name. Mm. And Lena's very early statement in season two about wanting to distinguish herself from her family's legacy, particularly a legacy that is very negative and very tarnished, would have definitely struck a nerve with Kara at that point in time because she has that whole conversation with Kat about, you know, her parents' poor choices and how that's affected her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of that kind of creates a perfect storm of Kara maybe making behavioral decisions that she doesn't normally <laughs> Possibly. And we'll have to see if any of these influences in their relationship will play a role in the future in terms of their relationship and in terms of Kara's ideology surrounding the truth. At this point in time in season five, she is very on the end of the spectrum that is people should tell the truth in most situations, including herself, obviously, mm-hmm. and the level of guilt that she felt for keeping a secret from Lena and then her reaction to William in this past episode, which is also fair in terms of William being like actively mean to her like and her maybe not trusting him right away but in season five we're seeing this theme pop up repeatedly and we'll have to see where it goes in the future of truth and what information we owe others and if truth is always the best option Mm. and also in relation to technology yeah and kind of related to the technology element what information are we maybe giving away without realizing that we're giving it away? Mm. And that also doesn't just apply to the technology. It also applies to aliens who have superpowers mm. because we sometimes see both Jean and Kara acquire information that maybe other people didn't want them to know yeah. without those people realizing it. And it's interesting, especially for Kara as a reporter, kind of walking that line and what's okay for her to investigate and what maybe she should leave alone. Mm. Well, it almost reminds me of the warning that Jeremiah gives her in that very first flashback in season one about, you know, one or two times you can write it off as luck. Mm. But after that, people are going to start wondering how someone manages to get lucky that often. In terms of her using her powers to? In terms of her using her powers maybe too much to get breaks in stories. Well, as as you've mentioned in this episode, she primarily used her powers to look into things she already suspected, such as maybe even x-raying a table that she could have just lifted up. Yeah, no, but I would definitely count that as a sign of growth on her part, because mm. I think Kara of two, three years ago maybe wouldn't have considered that. <laughs> yeah, so that wraps up our reporter thoughts in terms of in plain sight. We have some other non-topic focused episode thoughts. And just a reminder that we encourage you to send us questions regarding the new episodes that are coming out for us to address in this final section of the podcast. 
Yeah. And so one thing to bring up related to, like, they had a lot of really cool, nice growth things we saw for Kara, for Nia. We had some really good content for Jean and James in this episode. So on a narrative level, the episode explored a lot of really cool things. But because there were so many stories happening across multiple locations and characters' attention was divided a lot of the time, it did feel like some of the emotional beats didn't quite land maybe the way they were intended to. Particularly, it's starting to feel a bit too much like we're having new characters put front and center while there's a bit of struggling happening to get a consistent level of depth and nuance to particularly our original core three characters. Alex was a little off at the start of the episode in a way that always makes me nervous of like flanderization because it was almost like someone was trying like too hard to make Alex feel like Alex, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And there are a lot of new writers who came in this season. So that's understandable that there's some growing pains with that. Hopefully they'll hit their stride a bit more. Yeah. One thing that it would really have been nice to see more of in these front four episodes was the Jean story related to his brother getting more time to breathe with just Jean and Alex and Kara, particularly because there is so much stuff in all of their pasts that's relevant to that story. And that would really inform on all of their characters and bring the ethical nuances of it to some interesting places. Because you have Kara, who spent time in the Phantom Zone and actually said her mother essentially gave her a death sentence when she was in there. And then you had Alex have her own experience with having her memories erased by Jean. And none of that feels like it's fully present in the emotional stakes of the Malefic storyline, despite David's absolutely wonderful acting in all of the scenes that he's had. Mm -hmm. So like that sense of the core space family being at the heart of the storytelling just isn't quite gelled together. Yeah, it feels very plotty also. Which, yeah, like it's entertaining. (laughs) It is. It's also the kind of narrative crime angle in terms of plot has allowed, you know, what we talked about in this episode, Kara's investigative reporter skills Mm. to shine. Just just a bit more balance there is needed in terms of the emotional elements. But I am happy for getting that because I think it's something that we've needed for her character. Yeah, I think where they really need to kind of find the balance is whether it's character driving plot versus plot driving character Mm -hmm. because we are getting some character stuff mixed in but it's usually because the plot needs it and not coming from the other way around which is usually the stronger place for storytelling Mm -hmm. but on the bright side we did get a space dad (laughs) like a dad hug in this episode you got us Uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know the tricks (laughs) so points for that and we also had i really liked that final closing scene with james His departure felt like a little abrupt. Mm -hmm. I definitely, at the start of the episode, was like, there'll probably be one more. And then we got closer to the end. I was like, oh, no, it's it's done. But we did get to learn some new information about him and his childhood, which was exciting. Yeah, I also thought that there would be like another episode. But I was very happy with the direction that they took James. Yeah, I agree with kind of what Makad had said about that. It ended the character emotionally in a, a place that felt right. I remember thinking about like the two options that he had before, whether or not to run for office or to run a exhibit at the Smithsonian. And both of them felt kind of like, yeah, that's neat, but detached from the character. And also we had been commenting upon how elite this group of people felt like. Mm. So then James taking this step and using the wealth that he has acquired and the power that he has as a reporter and the influence he has as a public figure to 
go somewhere that is, is definitely not impacted by a sense of the elite in his hometown. Well, it is, but, <laughs> but in, in a very different way. way. Yes. So I was quite pleased with that turn of events. And other than it feeling sudden, I liked the storytelling choices that they made for his character. Yes, definitely. And James is next on our list as far as character profiles go now that his storyline has come to a conclusion. So we'll cover that during probably the first hiatus mm -hmm. in between crossover madness. Yes. So if you have questions or comments, you can contact us at Supergirl's Attic on Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram. You can also comment on iTunes. And thanks for listening. Mm.